This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions on the podcast and online. If you're not already following me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Matchmaker Maria. And hey, while you're at it, follow this podcast, Ask a Matchmaker, or my company at Copy Match. All that good stuff is there. This week's guest is Paul Carrick Brunson. Paul is a serial entrepreneur, television host, and columnist whose specialty lies in teaching others. He's an internationally recognized expert in interpersonal relationships and communication. I'll add that in there too myself. Personal (laughs) development and entrepreneurship. He currently serves as a featured business columnist for USA Today. He's the co-host of UK's Celebs Go Dating television show and the co-host of UK's Married at First Sight and the host of the Better With Paul live podcast. Go subscribe to his podcast, Better With Paul. It's great. The heart of his work is centered on impacting lives through mentorship and developing a new generation of servant leaders with a desire to change the world. Paul is the founder and chair of Give Love, Build Hope, a nonprofit organization dedicated to transforming schools in rural areas of the Caribbean. He's a proud second-generation son of Jamaica, and Paul's greatest achievements are in his roles as a husband and father. When he's not serving the world, he's serving his family, likely with a red striped beer in one hand and a good book on the other. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast, Paul. Maria, what's up? This This is is very exciting. exciting. I have to say right off the gate, it is great to see you. Like genuinely i think a lot of people jump onto these podcasts and they're like ah it's so nice to see but honestly it's great to see you because i've i've so much respect for you and on top of it i think what you do you do it flawlessly and so it's it's uh it's, it's just great to be here with you this means a lot to me thank you so much paul so uh for those of you who might not know other parts of paul paul uh, are you used to be? I don't know what the right uh, tense is. A matchmaker. Yeah, I, I play one on TV. <laughs> you play one on TV, but you you know that's how you know yeah. Paul and I met um, thirteen years ago. It's been that long. Was it thirteen years? Really? Was yeah, it thirteen years? It's twenty twenty two, and I met you in two thousand nine. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I you mean, didn't I, even have kids. I definitely was. We both didn't have kids. No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Life was uh, so good, wasn't it? It was you know, so good. It was so good because it's so funny that I love that I'm talking to you today because I keep thinking about I don't know if you know this, but I'm a little popular on TikTok. I like review people's mm. online dating profiles. It's like a whole thing. Okay. And, okay. Okay. And I shout out to all of the listeners who are coming from that <laughs> place. Uh, and I keep thinking about like how like this is such a weird place that my career has entered where it's like I didn't do profile reviews 10 years ago. Like no one would even show your online dating profile. Now it's like I have people who are executives at Facebook who like just let me 
pro like publicly critique their profile online wow. and you could see where wow. they work you can see their name it's like wow that's that's crazy to me and and i it made me think of you because i remember in 2009 the big thing then was the events do you remember we used to do oh yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. you, <laughs> you had, bring it back you bring it back yes yes you had yes. these really cool so you were hosting events and i was hosting events my events were dinner it was called dinner with strangers so it was mm. like 10 women 10 men dinner with strangers that's, you know whatever right. and then you had right. what was it flow what was it float flow dating right flow dating yeah which was well, i just lost like five brain cells remembering that i just want you to know oh that. my god is this is good this is good because it was uh it was basically speed dating but it was set to music right so it was four minutes you in front of someone else and i would pose a question and it could be something fun like uh give the best you know back massage that you've ever given in your life right or it could be something political you know like hey you know who did you vote for in the last election and then there's four minutes to do whatever you do and then music actually was the intersection if you will right. uh, and then people would dance their way they would flow their way to the next date uh, I yeah, love seeing dating. whenever you would post photos I would just get so excited because you could tell like it was just very different and you know I, th I feel like you were answering I mean this was centered around the black community and I feel like you were catering like you were giving um this like underserved demographic an opportunity to like socialize and meet new people that's not you know I don't know I'm Greek and I feel like Jamaicans and Greeks have the same kinds of moms and <laughs> yes yeah uh, yeah so like you know so much of our socialization is like with our own community church backyard in the living room like family focus and then you were giving this opportunity for people to like extend their network through your matchmaking network absolutely which was and so can different. i say i went to my first greek wedding not too oh, long yeah. ago here in london and right. it was like next level like it was, it was next level. There was like 5,000 people and that was like at the beginning, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it was like another 5,000 people came. No, and what um, did you yeah, think the, of like, um, did you go to the ceremony? Yes, I sure did. I sure did. So you know the you, people you, in our, in my religion, the people that the church believes that whoever introduced or whoever was the influence on your life that is going to be the official witness, they are now officially related to you. And, and mm. because you have to become baptized, you have to have the oil. Oil is thicker than blood. So your chosen family is more important than your biological family after a wedding. Wow. Wow. You know what? I did not pick that up, but can I tell you what I did pick up <laughs> Go ahead. in the ceremony? And I don't know if this is throughout, but this is uh, this was, this was in a, in a Greek Orthodox uh, yeah. uh, church that we went to. So I heard basically there was pressure being placed on the bride to, uh, to, to, to give birth. Like it was pressure that I've never heard in my life. It was like, it, you will become fruitful. You know, you oh, will. Oh, was it English? <laughs> you, you, okay. Oh, um, no, well, well, it was, it was part. Yeah. In, in, yeah. in part it was, uh, but I'd never heard that before like there was a heavy emphasis on you will have children you know i've never i've, I've never seen that before it was I've fascinating i've never thought about that um as someone who has had a greek wedding in greece 
which is a whole other level because Greek weddings in Greece start at 6 p.m. You know, they 7 p.m. is usually the earliest someone will get married because there's siesta before 5 p.m. So you're not allowed to get married certain hours. So the reception's oh. at 7 p.m. Excuse me, the ceremony's at 7 p.m. Your party starts at 9 p.m. And it goes until 6 a.m. Oh, my God. You know what? I was I was wondering. So it was the same thing here. Okay. And it was it was on a Sunday, you know, right. and I'm, I was working on Monday. So I was thinking this is... Yeah, those would end at 1, 2 a.m. Um, but yeah, that's okay. that's why. Like, so uh, so very rare. I, I don't I don't think I've ever been invited to a wedding before 6 p.m. In, in Greece. I don't know how it is in London. It's funny. Like, so like, you know, the thing you should you should know is that I guess if we're talking about Greek Orthodox weddings is... Um, a lot of what Greek Orthodox see, like a lot of the Bible, that part is in ancient Greek. So most Greek people speak modern Greek. It's kind of like Latin mm, versus, mm. you know, modern Italian. So I don't, I never thought about like what's being said, but I also, a lot of what Greek Orthodox sees like symbolism in culture. So sometimes it's not necessarily about fruitful and having kids. It's about fruitful and like being a part of, I think the community and like providing for the community, like this okay. sort of, you're expected to help others. We have this word called philotimo, which is like the welcoming of others. And that's, okay. I think that is the promotion in our religion is like, you have to be philotimo. That's like our cultural thing. Like if you ever meet a Greek person, they're like, come over, sleep on my bed. Here's the food. So like I said, Jamaicans yeah. and Greeks, very similar. Very uh, similar. Very similar. Yeah. yeah so yeah, I want to, I want to, before we before we start talking about like all of the really great stuff that you are well known, at least in my inner circle, I would love to know more about celebs go dating and married at first sight. Like, okay, so married at first sight, we know. I've, in fact, I've had a few people from married at first sight as guests, not in the UK version, the US. Um, okay. okay. But celebs go dating. Tell me more, because I don't, I can't watch it here. Yeah, it's 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 a wild concept. You know, it's coming to the United States. Um, in two versions. One is uh, there's, well, there's talk of a U.S. version of Celebs Go Dating. And then there's, oh, wow. uh, and then, then they're going to, I think, license uh, the U.K. version uh, to the U.S. this year, uh, 2022. Wow. Uh, it's a wild, it, it's, you know what, I, I can't even say it's a wild concept. It's a, it's an interesting concept because I think a lot of us are interested in the lives of, of celebrities, you know, that whole mm -hmm. voyeurism. And so what this show is, is it's celebrities from the UK, from all walks of life. So of course you have reality celebrities in there. You have TV presenters, you have oh, famous wow. authors, famous, you know, boy, we, we always have someone from a, a musician, like a boy band, like a nineties boy band, you know what I mean? Love that. Um, and uh, so it's about eight, nine of them. And what they're doing is, is they're participating in a dating agency. Now the dating agency is like a big brother house. No cameras inside, no camera people, should I say inside, but it's embedded cameras, a uh, hundred plus embedded cameras all over this, this townhouse, this row home in London. And there's a receptionist uh, who's one of my best friends, Tom Reed Wilson, and these celebrities come into the agency and what we're doing, myself and my, my co-host, uh, Anna Williamson is, we're helping these celebrities to learn how to date because many of them have not had to had to date. You know what I mean? Um, and we set yeah. them up on dates and this goes on for about three months and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hilarious, wait, you know, it's fun and, um, wait, but, but it's wait, impactful. Wait, 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 they're living 
like a Big Brother style for three months. Well, well, well okay. So, so let me back up. There's two versions of this. Sh this this show is 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 a is a big format. So there's two show two versions. One is called the mansion version, and that's okay. where they move into a mansion, and we set up the agency in a mansion. Um, and in that version, they live for it's more like 45 days is okay. what they're living in a Big Brother okay. style house. And in that version, we invite the dates to live in the house with the celebrities, but they live in different quarters. This um, is giving me so much trust right now. Oh my God, it's crazy. And then, then there's the then, then there's the traditional format, which is where we have a separate agency. They go home in the evenings, but then they come in during the day and they spend the day with us like at an office. So they'll spend a few hours with us at the at the agency there. So in celebs go dating, it's not like the bachelor where it's oh, like you know, 20 women and one man. This is like a co-ed space. So it's like, it seems like it's half man, half men, half women. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's roughly, you know, d d depending on sexuality, it, you know, it, yeah, it, it, it definitely ranges, but it is not a all for one, if you know what I mean. Right. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. No it, one's competing yeah, yeah. is, uh, no, nah, nah, not at all. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, uh, you know, I have a few follow-up questions, and I don't know if this relates to self go dating, but it does relate to you being, you know, a dating expert in an, your a new adopted home uh, in the UK. Uh, which yes. okay, listen, if you're not following Paula Brunson, Paul C. Brunson on Instagram, I absolutely love it when he takes his family on trips um, around <laughs> Europe because you just learn so much about uh, the unseen history of certain cities and and countries. Uh, much Thank of you. it funded Thank by you. the Atlantic slave trade that nobody talks yes. about. Yes, but, there you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. You anyway, know, you know. Yes. <laughs> so let me ask you a question then. When it comes to like, do you see a difference in like, and this is specific to the UK, do you see a difference in dating by class? Do you, first of all, do you, do you see a class system? Because I feel like when oh, I go there, I oh see my God. it. But maybe I am uh, overreacting. Oh my, no, no, this is... Uh, you, you know, the best way for me to answer this is my boys, we've just put, uh, my two boys, we, we were homeschooling them for three years. Your and sons, we just yeah, okay. put Yes, and we, we, we just put them in school in, the, in a British, you know, system for the first mm -hmm. time. And uh, one is what's called year six, which is the equivalent to fifth grade fifth, in fifth the United grade, States. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And already you can see how it's how, how, how they've begun to break them into basically the class system. This, this, this country is really predicated around class, uh, this country being the UK. And right. so you, you see it everywhere. Every corner is based on class. And what I find fascinating is, is that structure is holding tight. You know, I don't see it being dismantled anytime in the near future. How are your sons, like, is, is their class now and I'm not, I say this with respect. I just want to know, like, is your son being classed by, because he's black, because he's, uh, American, um, because he has American parents or because his parents, you know, you, you do make a good income, like which, where, what class are we putting or, or do all of these take for account to where your son is placed among his peers? Great question. So let's talk about the history of, of the system. So I've researched this quite a bit. So the, the history comes from, of class comes from proximity to the royal family. 
right? Okay. So, so you're at the bottom. So, <laughs> yeah. Ah, ah, you don't know. You don't know. No, no. But so, but, uh, but, but yeah, it's like, so, so, so that, that's, that's, that's where it comes from. Right. Okay. So it's obviously like if you're, you're the brother of, 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 of the queen, right. Uh, and then it goes down cousin, second cousin, right. Friend, you know. So if someone um, from the royal you know, family goes to your son's school, does that like bump your son up? Uh, so, so, so this was the history. This was Ooh. the history. This is where, where it's come from. Okay, now, okay. Where, where it's gone is it is about, in my opinion, it is about social capital. That's where the system is today. It's about social capital. So, for example, if you are on a television show, you, you have social capital. If you are a star athlete, you have social capital. If you're an executive in a company, you have social capital. And so, therefore, you are then, you are then elevated to a higher level of, of class, if you will, right? And then as that social capital shrinks so does your placement on that class totem pole. So that's where it's gone. It's, it's moved to social capital. And, and what's, what's interesting to me about the UK versus the US is, you know, the, the UK didn't go through a civil rights movement, but that's clearly- my next question. Like what is the core difference yeah, that you see? The way that I look at it is, is that, cl that class structure that I talked about, it's all about social yeah. capital. There's a, there's a ceiling. I see. And then it becomes about proximity to the royal family. You know what I, I mean? Okay. So it's, it's, it's like there, there, there's a ceiling. Whereas in the U.S., I feel like I truly feel like you can basically achieve anything that you that or I shouldn't say you can achieve anything that, that, that you want to achieve. But there is the opportunity for there you to do that in the United States. Perceived meritocracy, uh, I think, in the U.S. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. I mean, look, I'm there's obviously that. ceilings for a lot of people, and there's also people born into privilege, I think, in the United States, where that meritocracy, uh, you know, if you are uh, if you are a singer who grew up with very wealthy parents where you didn't have to, like, wait tables and you could 100% focus on your craft, then, yeah, you know, you could still be the best singer and win all the Grammys. I'm not speaking about anyone specifically, but I know people are thinking about at least one person. Um, I'm not talking about her, but uh, you know, she could win all the Grammys, but there's still privilege in how she was able to, you know, lift herself up, right? So, but there is still sure. this, I think, meritocracy. That I think in the United States, when you see stuff, you know, people like uh, this is not a political statement, but when you see someone like President Obama, you know, raised by a single mother, who you know. To, to become president uh, of the United States, like to me, that's like, wow, that's a lot of mobility. Whereas I feel like every time I see a prime minister of the United States, they all went to the same college. Right. Oh, oh you're saying uh, UK or you're saying I'm sorry, US? Yes. I, sorry, I meant the UK, excuse me. Like UK. the British yeah, prime minister. Oh no. oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, 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 De definitely. There, there is, there's, there's a ceiling um, mm -hmm. here. Uh, and, and that ceiling, I don't see being dismantled anytime soon, although, the forces are at play to, to, to try to dismantle that actively. I, so I get this question a lot. Um, every Wednesday I do ask a matchmaker and, you know, people know that I've lived parts of my life in Greece, uh, obviously most of my life in the U S and I've traveled all over Europe and they'll ask me sometimes like, you know, what do you think the cultural differences are between Europe or in the U S and I'm like, you know, Europe is such a big country. Even the, 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 the culture of dating shifts, you know, on a fundamental level across the United States, right? And like New York dating is incredibly different to Philadelphia dating. 
And for those wondering, Philadelphia is like a wolf pack. Like you have a leader of the group and the guy, and then whatever he wants to do, that's what the rest of the pack does. And it's like very twisted. Whereas in New York, it's like all these independent people that don't tell each other anything. Uh, so, it's, you know, so it's always interesting to get these questions and finally have someone who's, you know, has the U.S. experience and is now living the U.K. experience of, of dating. Um, I, you know, I recently had a client ask me about like, you know, who, based on my temperament, who should I be looking for in London? She lives in London. And I, I said to her, you know, she's, uh, she's, she's emigrated to London. She's, you know, originally from, um, you know, let's call it mainland Europe like the, the bottom okay. of the Europe, right? And I said to her, you know, for your specific temperament, I would avoid the English and go straight for the Scottish. <laughs> like, I feel like Scottish people who like live in London, that's just been my experience. There's just like a different, it's kind of like, they're, they're kind of like the people from the mainland. Like they have a lot to prove. At least that's, you yeah. know, they're the energy. And it's like, this makes sense to me. Like, I feel like you would do really well with Scottish people. Yeah, well, well you know, on, 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 that, on that note, you know, um, a lot of, people don't realize that, you know, the UK is made up of multiple countries, right? Yeah. Um, and on top of the multiple countries, right, if you're just looking at England, within England, there are 42, what's categorized as 42 different accents. Right. And the accents, what I find fascinating is, is that the accents are a derivative of where you basically live, like where you were, you know, where, where you were born. And what's fascinating is, is that you could be within two miles of each other here and have a completely different accent, but the right. accent really identifies your character. So people are, are stereotyped based on accent. So it's, 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 it's interesting. So, you know, if you have a Scottish accent, you're, you know, people ascribe you know, Scottish stereotypes to you, which, which by the way, I am Scottish. I found that out. DNA uh, from the heard, Highlands, from I the Highlands been, of, of, of Scotland. Yes. Yes. I've yeah. Rock a kilt. The, the tartan like lately. Uh, yeah. The kilt. That's pretty cool. Uh, did some, uh, did uh, one of your fans draw you too? Like, did I see yeah. something? You got some artwork? Yeah. 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 So, some folks, cool. I, I'm, I'm, Oh, man, I'm, I'm repping that hard and, and I've, and I've visited, uh, the Highlands and, you know, just, just, just adore it. Uh, you know, so, so there's, and it's even in Scotland, like, you know, folks in the Highlands are, are ascribed, you know, different stereotypes than, than, than people a little bit lower, um, you know, geographically lower, but in England, 42 different accents. So because of that, there are a multitude of stereotypes and, and that's what I find interesting. So you think about that. 42 different accents just within one country. And then you have ethnicity built into that, right? Because uh, folks coming over, then you have, uh, you know, uh, socio socioeconomic built into that, you know? It's just, it's, it's a wild place. Wild me, place for matchmaking. Since we're talking about accents, right? Like, okay, so uh, well, actually we're talking about dialects. So like, when I go to, for instance, if I, if I were to speak to someone in Greece, um, there's probably about 40 dialects in Greece as well. Um, okay. You know, many islands have, like my husband and I speak very different dialects. Um, and, you know, he's Cretan. So, you know, I've learned, you know, I've learned to say certain words the way he says them. And But he's also adapted to the Athenian that I'm speaking. But in the Greece, when you meet someone with a dialect, it's not even, maybe you'll make, like if someone's from Thessaloniki where they, instead of saying la la la, they say la la la, you might make fun of them the first time like, oh, la la la, like that. But that's it, that's the end of it. You will still date, there's no class structure there. No one thinks 
Like, you know, my mom comes from an island where when people talk, they kind of sing. That's just how mm. a lot of people from mm. islands speak. And um, you would never, it would never be a reason not to date someone. Whereas I feel like, and I'm going to tell you where I got, I've, I've received this feedback. I've seen this on your stories like a year ago yes. when you asked, I think, I don't know if they, they weren't black Americans, but I think they were, most people responding happened to be black British. Is that the right term? Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Black British. Yes. Okay. And, um, and they were saying about how their accent will take away like job opportunities from them or do you remember this? This is your story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, it was, it was all British. It was all, all British. British. Okay. All British. Yeah. So, so, so for example, there's an area. So, so in London, there's one suburb of, of London called Essex. Mm, Essex is yeah. considered to be working class, you know, um, hardworking, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a particular accent, Essex accent. If you have that Essex accent and you're trying to go downtown to Canary Wharf in London and get a finance job, you will typically be denied. And, how about, and that's how something that, that is dating? real. How does that work in same. dating? Like, same. So that's what, same. That's, that's so interesting. You know, one mm -hmm. of the things, the last time I was in London, um, a few years ago before the pandemic, um, I was at this bar, uh, with a, a mutual friend of ours <clears throat> and there was a gentleman there and he was like, what are you doing in here? Kind of like not accusatory. He was just like, what are you doing in here? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, this and you know, whatever. And he was telling me that he was very upset from a previous bar he was at and he just wanted to make mm -hmm. sure he's at the right bar. And I was like, well, what happened to previous party? He goes, well, we got kicked out because we're tradies and that was a finance <laughs> or something. He said something, but he got kicked out for being in the trades. And I was like what like that just seems yeah. so foreign to me when he said that because i've never experienced that uh personally i've never experienced that but also like i have not i didn't know i was alive i was not I was old enough to experience like i like you could tell me like if maria lived in the 50s then i would have seen in the south and i would have seen black people denied access to like certain amenities restaurants venues bathrooms um but this took place in a different country a very diverse city you know, London is one of the most diverse cities in the world. Yep. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that was just really shocking to me. Yeah, it, it's 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 uh, <laughs> it, it is it is absolutely, absolutely fascinating to me. Um, the you know, let's call it discrimination, you know, that, that that happens based on that. And this is something that, you know, all Brits are, are facing. And, and there there are other, I think, distinct differences between UK dating and, and US dating. For example, there's a heavy, uh, and, and I'm sure you're, you, you know about this. I mean, there's a heavy drinking culture here um, in, in, but in, it in, ends the, early. in the UK. It ends early. Uh, where does it end they, they drink earlier. It ends earlier. Like it, what I'm saying is like the bars there shut down early compared to. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, you know what, you, you know why it's all about money. So I've, I've, I've learned this now. So oh. the bars shut down typically at 11 PM. Right. However, however, that's for two reasons. One is because there's a private club culture here. Almost everyone, oh. you know, is, is a member of the Soho house or whatever you private club that, right. that can go on, that can go on forever. But then also almost all these pubs, they do lock-ins. Okay. Right? So, 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 so at 11 o'clock, if you're at a cool, you know, cool pub or whatever, um, they'll look around. And it'll be, you know, 20, 30 people in there. They'll lock the door. Huh. And at that point, it becomes a private event, right? right? 
and everyone just continues continues drinking. You know? I didn't know that. So, it, what were you going to say yeah. about uh, the drinking culture? Yeah, so the drinking culture much different. So, in the U.S., what I've noticed is that you know you go on a, a date, let's say, and you're, you're having a couple of drinks. You'll have a few drinks over the course of the date. And as the date is developing, right, you may increase your consumption or decrease your consumption, right? You're doing that over the course. Here, what happens is, is two people sit down. They're so nervous. They start binge drinking immediately. It's like shot, 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 immediately binge drinking. And then the date begins. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's not everyone. But that is a lot of the dating. And, and, and these, these nuances I find to be fascinating. Fascinating. You know, in, in Greece, it's like the complete opposite when it comes to dating. Like, um, you know, first of all, when you have alcohol, you're expected to eat meat uh, <laughs> just to like not have an empty stomach. And even like the like the a very popular thing to eat after going out drinking is intestine soup uh, at two in the yeah, morning. Oh. That's Yeah. Did you have that when you were in Crete? In, in a, you know, what? I didn't have that in Crete. I had that in Turkey. Yeah, I, I spent a lot smaller. of time at yeah, 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 very much so. So, um, yeah, so, <laughs> culture is a social construct. Anyway, um, so yeah, there was a very. Uh, it, it, I remember, I remember doing. I was in Greece and I came back and someone's like, "Oh, did you get drunk?" This was before I turned twenty-one. Because there, you know, you can okay. drink, you know, when you're younger. And I had come back to visit some friends and like, do you get drunk? And I go, no, like, you know, when you go out, you just have like two drinks maximum, maximum. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, that like one drink is supposed to last you for an hour. Like oh, wow. people oh, will wow. nurse a drink in Greece. <laughs> and, like, it's a long time to nurse it. Like even a coffee, like we have a coffee culture in Greece. And when you drink a coffee, the expectation is that that's going to take 40 minutes to drink. Right. Mm. Um, there's no mm. like, there's no espresso, like none of that. Like even when they serve that, you're expected to drink it slowly. So, you know, a typical, if you sit at a table and you only order two drinks, the expectation from the owner of the venue is you'll be there is for it? two hours. Wow. Wow. Right? Fascinating. No taking you out. Right. So, yeah. so it's very interesting when, um, whenever Greek people go to England the first time they come back and they're just like, Whoa, what is, Whoa. You know, it's a very different culture. But also I remember, um, I lived in Greece when Greece, Athens hosted champions league, I think in 2006 okay. and, okay. um, who was it? Was it Man U that came, uh, Manchester United was, Manchester. I think. Yeah. And I remember like, Greece had put PSAs like if you see a British person, do not like, like <laughs> do if not they engage. Are drinking, <laughs> do not engage. Like, cause you know we're not yeah. used because people drink so slowly in Greece. You don't throw up, right? There's no, there's no one's mm -hmm. being messy at night, and so even on vacation there are actual British villages like Zakynthos, Rhodes, Crete. They have little villages just for British people to have their fun, without really interacting with the other population uh, uh, so it's very th interesting this makes they know. sense and they know this makes it's sense dangerous if people are very drunk and they're walking in the middle of the road like they don't want anyone getting hurt or whatever it's just a very this is accommodating of culture you know and i think it's pretty interesting um yeah that's that's that's, that's but uh, that by the way <laughs> that's, that's fascinating so cool. that's fascinating to me yeah i love this <laughs> and what's it like well let's let's now take it back to you for a second you know your second generation jamaican what's dating like in jamaica uh, it's non-existent. It's terrible. It's, it's it? terrible. You, you know, I, I, I will say that, um, you know, you know, I think economics plays a huge role in, in how, you know, how, how we date, uh, Jamaica is hardcore third world country. 
you know, unfortunately, there is no middle class. Uh, there's a very few number of very wealthy, and, and, and the vast majority of the country is, is poor. And so, you know, when you're trying to figure out how you're going to have just a full meal the next right. day, you know, dating becomes, you know, cl cl close to impossible. Um, you know, the birth rate, as I'm sure you're tracking, is way down in, in, in many, of these, uh, many of these places. So it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's really hard in Jamaica. Do you find that that's the case for many many countries in the Caribbean? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, you know, wor worldwide, I think we're at what I would call an inflection point. And unfortunately, I haven't seen enough. And I don't think, I don't know if anyone is really doing this research around connecting where we sit economically with how we're engaging, whether it is, you know, short versus long-term mating, mm. you know, so... I, and I think there's a there's a massive impact that that economics plays because whenever I, I look at research, the data on higher socioeconomic, so we'll call it high socioeconomic dating, that data always looks substantially different than lower socioeconomic dating, whether that be divorce rates and marriage rates or um, you know satisfaction rates, uh, you know uh, birth rates, right, the whole thing. And so then you think, okay, if, if that's the case, which that is, th those are facts, then you look at, oh my God, well, the, the middle class is just being obliterated around the world. We have super wealthy, wealthy, getting wealthier and wealthier, wealthier, and right. poor, getting poor, poor, poor. So, so what does that do to dating culture? And that's something that really needs to be investigated. I have a thought here. Okay. Um, so, you know, you mentioned, you know, Jamaica, third world country struggle. You're talking about survival mode here, right? So can dating exist yes. in, under the umbrella of survival? Um, and, you know, immediately, I, you know, I, maybe this is just my temperament. Whenever I hear a problem, I try to find a similar problem and like think how they solved it. So I know that my grand, my grandmother and my great grandmother, they, you know, they've told, you know, we can see it's not that far along. It's not that far away when, you know, Greece went through World War II. They went through their own... Um, there was a time when the Nazis were taking all the food. And okay. so, you know, okay. uh, I don't, I don't want to say numbers. I think it's a million, but I don't want to say numbers. Uh, were Greeks, not necessarily Greek Jews, but like Greek people uh, died because of um, hunger, right? Like, and this is back in the forties, uh, like not even a hundred years ago. And at that time, like I think about, you know, my, my grandmother, she is from what is now because the borders have changed she's from what is now northern turkey and oh, she, okay. she okay. came at four there was the let's call it a genocide there was a genocide that took place and you know populations were exchanged in different places right so um so she came to greece when she was four and so did my grandfather he was 15. they had an arranged marriage mm -hmm. and i most people in that time period where they're going through World War One, World War World War Two, Greece had its own civil war, then we had a junta, like so much of survival mode, you know, where's our next food coming, you know, women dying from childbirth, you know, one in five women, that's like a global statistic. Um, you know, you have this thing, and it's like, how much of that was arranged marriage? So there's like, is there room for romance when you're right. in a survival instinct? Right. No, no. This is a brilliant topic, you know, because 
And, and, and I've, I've begun to look at this, you know, um, I'm, sh- I'm sure you're a big fan of uh, Esther Perel, yes, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 you know, I always find it fascinating where she, when she talks about her parents going through the Holocaust and mm-hmm. how, from her perspective, there was no time for romance because we, right. we, we were just trying to survive. And I remember uh, reading something from David Buss at one point, and he was talking about how and, and, and I could see this, right, where when we're in survival mode, what we do is we shift from anyone, not anyone, but many of us who are thinking about long-term mating, right? Because if, if you have resources, you think more long-term, right? right? You think about, okay, you plan, you could plan, you have space to plan, et cetera. But when you don't have resources, you think short-term. So therefore, the, 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 the economy change is changing our end goal. So we're moving from long-term dating to, 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 to short-term mating, right? Which is different, right? That's quick totally sex. Different. That's in and out of relationships. It's, it's, it's totally different. And, and I really feel like there's a massive shift towards this and it's being driven by economics. You know, I really feel this way. And, um, and it's, and to me, it's, it's quite honestly, it's scary. You know, I'm, I'm very scared of what the future of the world looks like as we begin to shift, you know, our mating desires as a result of economics. Right. Right. Yeah. That's uh, very interesting. Well, in our next lives, Paul, we'll have time to do his PhD <laughs> theses or something because, you know, I think you and I, we come up with all these like questions all day and it's like, who's going to have time to do all this research? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, right. True indeed. So- so one of the things that I love about you, Paul, um, especially on your Instagram, is that you, you know, you're very public about your own goal setting. Um, my favorite posts that you put up are like when you show me how many, you know, not only how many books you read, but like the books that you're reading um, or how, you know, you do these listicles sometimes. You don't do it often enough. You should do it more. But like when you say like yeah. the 10 things that make my marriage work, I think you've done that once yeah. um, yes, where you yes, do these things. And it's yes. like so much of it is like when you read these lists, it's not like, oh, I you know appreciate an honest partner. It's actually like really actionable items towards a goal. Like uh, my goal is to be in a happy, healthy relationship. Here are the 10 things that I'm doing to get there. But I would love to know a little bit more about like, you know, now that we just mentioned all these things, right? Um, we talked about class. We talked about dating. Yes. We talked about the, con- the not only the economics of dating, but the economics of romance. Yes. Where yes. where do you find like, where do you find when when you when we talk about like obstacles that we live in life, and it doesn't have to be as severe as like you know living in a third world country where you don't know you know where your next week's meal is coming, um, but even as simple as like helping yourself meet your goals and passions because i don't know about you but one of the things that frustrate me on social media there's many things that frustrate me but one of the big things <laughs> is that there are influencers who come out and say well if you woke up at 4 30 a.m you could do right. this or if you right. just set your mind to it you could do this and it's like it doesn't take into account reality it doesn't take into account mm-hmm. of privilege i remember there was this one um he's a pretty big media influencer and you know he mentioned like i wake up at 5 a.m maria what is your excuse like this was like a personal attack to me and i said to him like you're a single dad you don't have your kid four days a week like (laughs) it's different when you don't have to wake up with a foot in your face 
in bed. It's just different. Very like, different. Very different. Yeah. yeah very different. Very. You, you know, I, I think a lot of that is just BS. I think a lot of people are out here fronting and being fraudulent. Um, and uh, and I tell you, we, we you know we, we've been around a little bit, and it's fascinating to me to look at you know maybe some of our even contemporaries who mm. came into the game ten years ago, twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, and um, you know what they may have done or not done over the 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 decade and change, and a lot of that to me. Is based on how is is based on how they actually execute. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, hyperbole. There's a lot of uh, uh, noise. You know, but not enough signal, right? And it's all about execution. At the end of the day, it's all about execution. And it's not about having to execute on twelve different things. It's about picking one, two, three things that you're very passionate about, and being willing and disciplined enough to sacrifice. You know to sacrifice for those things. And, and for example is, you know, I think it's very important for us all to know our values. What are the things right. that we value most? I think that's the very important exercise. For me, top of the pyramid is family at the end of the day. And so what I've done and what my wife has done is, is we've restructured our life around that, right? And that means a lot of sacrifices. That meant at one point pulling our kids out of school to homeschool them where that was pre-COVID when it wasn't cool to homeschool, right? And everyone was like, you're crazy for homeschooling. Right. We're like, no, no, no. We need to do this in order to keep the family structure intact because this is the most important thing for us. So I think it's just very important at the end of the day, identify the values, be willing, disciplined and sacrifice. And then it's, it's about execution, you know, and, and consistently executing on those. Let's break this down for a second. So you talked about values, right? How do you go about yes. defining your own values? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it's having an honest look at where you spend your time and money. Oh my God, right? me too. I, that, I think the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. It, that's that's <laughs> really what you value. Out of my mouth. That's like literally what I was thinking. That's so Yes, funny. that's really, that's really, because you yeah. know, it's funny, uh, especially- that's your lifestyle. You know, I remember all, all the time in matchmaking, I would, uh, people would say, you know, I'm the most religious person in the world. You know, it's, it's all about God for me. When was the last time you were in church? Uh, when was the last time you were uh, You know, it's, so think about where you spend time, you know, and, and, and your money. Build out that list. And you can even test it, right? Because Whatever you're feeding, if, if it's a value, you're becoming happier. You know, self-esteem is boosting, right? You're feeling good, right? And so test those things, identify what those values are, the top ones, and then figure out how you could begin to tweak your life right. so that you, you are disproportionately now spending more time and energy on those things. And you'll just be happier. You know, you'll just be a lot happier. One of my favorite, favorite, and I, I will share my answer and I want to hear yours too, but one of my most favorite first date questions is, your boss buys you a scratch off ticket. After okay. taxes, you get to take home $1 million. What do you okay. do with the money? I would love All to right. hear your answer because here's what I've learned. They, how people answer this question tells you so much about their values. And then as a, you know, as the opposite person, you can decide, do I fit in this? Do I agree with this? Do I want to keep going on a date with this person? You know, maybe it's not exactly what you would say, but it's at least complimentary to how you think. But I, do you have an answer for this? I would invest 
all of it in Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I would invest all of it. I would split it between Tesla and, and, and Apple uh, stock, I think. Uh, and in a year from now, I'd come back and say, look at the six million that I have. Okay, so do you think you and your wife, so what you're describing, I feel like is generational wealth you, that you're establishing, at least do you think you and your wife have that, do you share that value system? 100%. She would say, double down on that, you know, make it happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Totally. So let me tell you my answer. And I remember telling this to my husband and my husband said that because of my answer, he was like, yeah, I'm going to marry her. Okay. Um, so if I got to take home a million dollars, the first thing I would do is, um, I would give maybe 20% back to my boss just as like, mm. thank you so much for buying me the scratch off ticket. I really oh. appreciate it <laughs> because that's what I would want. Like I always think about like, well, what would I want in this scenario? Right? So yes. that's what I would do. Yes. The second thing I would do is I would pay off both me and my sister's student loans. I know it's a massive uh. source of anxiety for both of us. There's no wrong answer here. I'm just telling you what I would answer. Right? Yeah, the yeah, third yeah. thing I would do is build six education trusts, one for two from, you know, one for each of my kids. And then I, you know, between me and my husband, we have four nieces and nephews, right? He has my, my sister has two kids. His sister has two kids. So all six kids would get a, an education trust of like, let's say a hundred thousand. Uh, and that's, that's, that's the, the end boom. Like, and I know that other people will say, oh, what about generational wealth or what about, like, I, I get it. I get it. I totally understand that. But to me, it's like family first and get rid of the anxiety, the stress of like education. And like, now I can give my children an opportunity where they don't have to think about, because I remember when I went to college, one of the reasons that I chose the college that I chose was because they gave me a scholarship. It was not necessarily one I, the first school I wanted to go to, but I didn't have money. My parents did not have enough money for me to go to Syracuse University. So, you know, yes. you kind of, you kind of yes. think it's, but listen, your answer works for you and your spouse. And my answer works for me and my spouse, right? And I think that we look at how we just answered this question without thought, right? It's like a quick, right. And I love that you can learn so much about a person in that one question. Yeah, you, you, you really can. Cause you know, what's interesting when, when you ask me, I've never heard that question before. Um, when you ask that question immediately, what I thought is, well, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be based on circumstance. Right. Because, you know, if, 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 if you're Jeffrey Bezos answering that question, it's different, you know, if, <laughs> you know, it so so, really so immediately is. that's what I thought. But but then I thought, you know, well, that's what's brilliant about the question. Yeah, because it's it, it, it suggests circumstance. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. a I think I think it's a it's a great question. It's a great Absolutely. question. I mean, it also like, you know, I think it's exactly what it is. It's circumstance. It's like, where are you in life? I think if a person is dating at 24 where they might not have hit their income potential or aspirational, you know, where they want to be, um, that answer is going to be very different. And then of course, if Absolutely. you already have a million in the bank, like you said, Jeff Bezos doesn't have to be that, he doesn't have to be the wealthiest person in the world. But like we, you know, my sister and I, we have a girlfriend who, when we asked her this question, it's my most favorite question. She said, I would take all that money and buy a building downtown, like a, in Greece, right? And she okay. would just collect rents from this building. She would have 18 apartments <laughs> and she would just collect rent. She's like, now I have an income every month. Like that's what her thought was. And I was just like, wow, that's yeah. really risky to me. Like to me, owning a building yeah. seems really risky. I don't want, that's more stress yeah. in my life. So it's, you know, it's very different relationships to this question. I think it's a really good one. Okay. So we had values and then. Yes. Well, I've, can I, I have to go back to this question. Okay. This is such a good question is that uh, you were saying that that, that felt risky to you. Yeah. I, I have found through matchmaking that the, the two areas that best predicted 
whether or not a couple would 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 work right mm-hmm. outside of physical attraction you know initially was emotional stability but also risk adversity mm. so risk risk is is incredible right so you have to be able to willing to tolerate the same level of risk as your partner and 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 this is why I keep going back that's such a brilliant question oh my god i'm going to use this question this is this totally is really good it. because 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 risk tolerance is incredibly important and and we don't spend enough time time looking at it i think i think in in fact with risk i think the way you assess risk and you know there has to be a balance between partners right your partner's not going to be a carbon like i I say this as an entrepreneur right i take a lot of risk having my own business uh having uh employees and payroll and all that (laughs) stuff right like there's there's a massive risk uh in the service industry and and whatever and i'm with someone who's you know has a stable stable he has a corporate job right which comes with other benefits that i just can't provide for myself as an entrepreneur but i when i look at risk i think i think the way i talk to my husband things that i want to do it's like we kind of conversate about the balance that we need and i feel like in other couples that i've seen especially when people ask me do you think two entrepreneurs could be together and it's like well in most cases, no, because if one is way more risky than the other, then there's this resentment, there's this competition. I know what I'm saying is very unpopular, but it's just something that I've seen that like some entrepreneurs, they need to be balanced a little bit. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, and it's very, it's I very interesting you. to see like how much of emotional compatibility can be completely challenged when someone starts growing resentful of their partner. Oh, you didn't allow me to do this opportunity. Imagine what I could have been if you weren't the obstacle in right. front of me. How many right. couples do we know where they're like, oh, should have invested this in this, but you said no. Like I hear this all the time about right. Apple stock. Oh, I could have put $5,000 on Apple stock in 1995, but you didn't let me. Okay. <laughs> you know, right, right. that, that yeah, might have absolutely. been, you know, your rent for that month. So I don't know, you know, what the situation is. Yeah, no, no, that, that's, that's where it's at. I mean, that, that, that's really where it's at. And, and that's even why I go back to the emotional stability. It's like, you know, you, you know one of the most interesting stats I've seen uh, around marriage is this whole uh, what happens to couples who have been in a committed relationship for two years, right? Mm. Where in this stat, it, it suggests that the divorce rate is basically half of whatever it the divorce rate is. It, 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 it plummets, plummets, right? But, but when you investigate it, the reason why is because in that two-year time span, there's been some severe adversity and you've been able to witness how your partner reacts to that adversity, right? right? And that lets you know how emotionally stable they are and therefore how compatible they, they are with you, right? And, and, and this is why, you know, it goes back to this whole, you know, there really is an equation around wisely choosing a partner. You know what I mean? There, there, there's an equation around this, and it's it's that, and that's why the work that we do yeah. is so incredibly important. It is. It is. I mean, I think we have like a whole program to teach people that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So after value setting, then we put down our goals. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's about values, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's just simply around around creating the goals, right? If right. you will. Within with, within those values, so so for example, for me, um, I you know going back maybe three years right right before we moved to the UK, my goal wasn't I want to move to the UK and have television shows like 
that wasn't it. The goal was, I want to travel with my family. You know what right. I mean? That, that was the goal, right? And then once that becomes the goal, you begin to, you know, people will say the universe conspires for you, or you can mm -hmm. say God moves for you, whatever you want to be, but that will happen, right? That, that will happen. Uh, and so that, that, was, that was what took place. A matter of fact, fascinating story is before I got the opportunity to, to uh, for Celebs Go Dating, which was in 2018, July of 2018, we were moved, we were going to move to Jamaica for three months. Our, our, our plan was to go to Jamaica. Our, we were homeschooling our boys. So we said, you know, we'll just homeschool them from Jamaica. We'll, we'll, we'll live, you know, on a beach, you know, in Jamaica. And we literally packed our bags, packed them. My wife had boxes right everywhere, packed them and then got the call for London mm -hmm. and then just pivoted towards London. We had, so we had already, think about that. We had created our values. We had established our goals of we're going to travel together. We had started to make efforts towards it. That's the execution. That's stepping out on faith, like we're, we're the efforts, right? We're, we're going to Jamaica, cleared the space three months, had someone to come in to rent the house, blah, 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 blah. End up going to, you know, get, get this incredible gig in London, which has now opened up multiple doors. So I, 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 that, that has been the system that's, that's, that's worked for me. And when I look at the biggest breaks I've had in my career, they've all resembled that, you know, it, 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 it hasn't been a premeditated, uh, premeditated, the, the, the opportunity wasn't premeditated. It was, you know, we, we, we created the space for that, that opportunity was what was pre to like premeditated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You yes. allowed the opportunity, you welcome the opportunity when it came. I think, I think there's been many instances in my life where opportunities have come and I'm like, I don't know if I want, I don't know how this fits into the values that I have or the goals that I have for, you know, my family. Um, and I think that, you know, yeah, I think that's very interesting. And I think, you know, you always, you always have to go back to that. Um, how often do you look, do you and your wife look back at, um, you know, your family's goals and, uh, and value system? You you know, so, so on, the, yeah, on th th this is a good one. Uh, all these are good ones. Uh, we, uh, one of the things that we do is we spend uh, a significant amount of time together, significant mm -hmm. amount of time together. And in that time, we're covering everything, right? We're covering what's happening with the boys school. We're covering what's happening with business. We're covering what's, what's going on the trip, et cetera. Right. And so once again, that's creating the space so that we can all often have those interactions. I've noticed with a lot of, a lot of folks is that less time, I would say less time on task means the, the, the task crumbles, right? The project crumbles. And that's the same with relationships. The thing is, it's, it's the same with marriage. If we didn't spend a significant amount of time together, right? Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like questions like this, you know, revisiting goals would have to be scheduled and, uh, and it, it would become regimented. Mm -hmm. Whereas, uh, we, you know, and, and by the way, we spend a lot of time together because we figured out that that's how we grow together. Like we, we, we kind of, we, we, we saw, well, you we both have, also uh, don't have office jobs, right? Right. But we, yeah, ex exactly, exactly. But, but we, we chose that. 
You know what I mean? Well, of course. Like we, yeah, we, like we, we opted into that because she did have an office job. I did have an office job, you know, and we decided that the life based on our values, mm-hmm. that, that, that office jobs wouldn't permit that. Right. Uh, there, there was a time where, and, and this is actually, this is, I'll never forget. This is, um, my, my wife was requesting time off. She had the time, you know, she had, you know, like four weeks of vacation. Uh, and she requested like some small, like three or four days she requested. And just because the boss, we, we felt the boss felt, felt a certain way said, no, no, we're, I'm, I'm not going to give you that time. You have to take it. And, and that was the moment where we realized we, we just, we can't live life like this. You know, and we need to figure out another way. And I don't want to talk from a place of privilege like, yeah, we, we just, you know, and that was it because we did some crazy things. Trust me. Like we did some crazy things where we like there, there were we, we, we spent months without paying a mortgage. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we like we, we were robbing Peter to pay Paul, if you know what I mean. I get what so, you mean. So, 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 so we went through that. But the reason why is because the time together is what we valued more than anything. Right. That's that's a privilege. I don't I don't know if my husband and I can uh, my husband and I, we spend a lot of time together because of COVID now, right? But we have negotiated time away from each other as well. Like we're like I can't be with you. Like I need 2 hours away from you every day. I will say that, you know, my husband and I we subscribe to I don't know if you know Dr. Terry Orbeck. Do you know her? Yeah, yeah, I know Terry. She, yeah. She's great. She has yeah. this amazing book called How to Make Your Good Mar- How to Make a Good Marriage Great. I think that's the title. Anyway, in one of the things there, she talks about maintenance talk. To have non-maintenance talk every day with your spouse is a sign that you're, you know, it's a really good tool to make your marriage go the distance, right? That's from all her research and social sciences, okay? And so one of the things, oh my God, George and I are obsessed with this, with this. Like we do it every day. We do 15 minutes. I mean, we don't sit there with a stopwatch. In the beginning though, when we learned it, we're like, okay, 15 minutes. So basically you have to do 10 to 15 minutes a day, I believe of not maintenance talk. That's where you basically talk to your spouse or your partner about nothing about work, the house, the kids. That is very hard for many couples. For my husband and I, what we did is we learned, okay, we have our own hobbies. We have our own podcasts that we listen to. Uh, we have the books that we read. And then what we do is every day at dinner time or after we put the kids to sleep, we'll actually usually spend about an hour just talking. Like yesterday, I don't know if you, have you read the book Luster? No, Oh no. my God, it's like incredible. Uh, so I'm reading it now. I'm like halfway through. And like last night after the kids went to sleep, I was like telling my husband like, oh my God, so like listen to this. And like the book is happening. And like that is part of non-maintenance talk because I'm showing my passions. You know, just like he'll tell me um, every time Apple does an event when they release a thing, like he'll spend two hours talking to me about, <laughs> like longer than the presentation itself, he'll tell me all about it. And I enjoy it because I get to see my husband passionate about something. You know, we have our own separate hobbies. And it's so good to like come together and talk about this. At the end of the show, you'll hear, you'll hear me say, I always end the show by saying, be lovable, but more importantly, be likable. Because I feel like it's very easy to love someone. Right? I could fall in love with a piece of cheesecake, a slice of cheesecake. I don't, it doesn't have to be a human, right? It's very easy to mm-hmm. fall in love. It is incredibly hard to choose to like someone for the next 30 years of your life. That means that not only do you have to like them, but you also have to be likable. And I think people like, like miss out on this puzzle piece. Because I think about like, I'll think, I don't want to say names, but I'll think about couples and sometimes I'll say they love each other. 
he likes her, but I don't know if she likes him. And right, that is where right. you see resentfulness, you see competitiveness, you see, you know, that is where physical chemistry can take a, a nosedive as well. Like there's all these things that are all interconnected, you know, you might have a financial issue that's still going to affect your physical compatibility. Sure, it all, it's sure. all connected. So it's very, you sure. know, it's, I, I feel like, you know, what you're describing, I think is great. I think it's not about necessarily being scheduled and, and in your case, in your wife, you're talking about, you know, we value time together. And so therefore you spend that time together and you reevaluate your goals and, and what you're going, what kind of life you're going to be providing for your children. And I think that what you're also doing has been proven to be success in relationships by the work of Dr. Terry Orbuck, who, you know, she's the one that studied all those couples in 1984 and she's continued to follow them. I think I'm gonna have her as a guest in a few yeah. weeks. So I want to let her talk about her story, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's just, uh, no, yeah. I just, I just want to validate what you're saying in a, yeah. Well, thank, th thank, thank, Throw you. a mirror thank up you. to yes. it is what I, I'm saying. Time, 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 time is, it, it's, it's, it's all, it's all about time, all about time. Well, Paul, it was really lovely to have you here. Where can people find you um, to, you know, if they want to communicate or follow you, where, where can I send people to? I'm real simple. I'm at Paul C. Brunson on all your favorite platforms with the exception of TikTok, but I'll be there at some point. <laughs> don't don't get on it like, i'm on it and like man it's such a distraction i have to put like a timer on it. it's awful i love tiktok i absolutely love tiktok but oh my god is it like it just sucks you in yeah i see i see in. it I, I, I see my wife i see my, my my boys they are that algorithm on tiktok Genius. is a beast oh my god yeah. i have people yeah, who really will is. watch um I, well, they'll watch one of my videos and then i can see that they'll watch all of the rest of them <laughs> And I've calculated yeah. that's that's three hours worth of content that they'll sit and watch wow. in one sitting because I'll see wow. how they like it, and I'll and then they'll write in a comment. I can't believe I just spent two hours watching all of your videos, and I'm like, I can't believe you just did that. Like, what? You know? No, it. I I'd say on a super nerdy point is I was talking to a, a CMO of a company earlier who they said that the biggest shift of their budget is allocating towards TikTok you know, yeah. influencers, etc. Like TikTok podcasting. Yeah. 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 It's, it's like, it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely yeah, incredible. It's shows, shows are being commissioned just on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, crazy again, good. Crazy good. Paul, I'm going to include the link to find you, um, on, in the episode notes for anyone who wants to follow and communicate with Paul again. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. As you may already know, every other episode is a hotline episode. That's where you call in and we talk one-on-one -on -one about, well, whatever you want to talk about. Although usually that conversation revolves around dating and relationships. To get on the hotline, follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria. That's where I post the links and we will chat then. Until then, you can learn more about what I do or enroll in an upcoming Agape Intensive by visiting agapematch.com services. Thank you again for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. Be lovable, and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.